adopted. You sure Dylan wasn't adopted too? They look an awful lot alike. I'm just saying. Anyways, we've all kind of come from different backgrounds. And in, in many ways, you know, some of you, you, you might have both parents at home. Maybe some of you don't. Maybe you have uh, parents who ha- have a lot of rules for you. Maybe some of you don't have a lot of rules at all. I didn't have a lot of rules. I, I pretty much, as long as I wasn't in jail or setting house on fire, I was within my rules. I was living within the rules that were given to me. Um, but the circumstances of our upbringing and our environment, I think, play a huge role in what we believe about God and how we view God. For example, if you come from a family that the only time you ever pray or, or talk about God is when you get around the dinner table, you say that same prayer for like 20 years around the dinner table, that, that one blessing. Does anybody come from a family where you, it's like the same prayer every single time? Anybody? No one? Uh, there's my, my aunt and uncle had this, and I don't, I don't even understand it because they're not even Christians. Like at all, they were raised Catholic, but they would they would say this prayer. Bless us, the Lord. I, I don't even remember. It was just Catholic the same prayer. thing every single time. It was like this same prayer, and and I'm like, I don't think you believe a single word that you just prayed, but it's just ritual. So they would pray the same prayer over. We sing that from time to time. Lila helps us. So we we. Oh man! Oh man! Yeah. Yeah. Fud? I don't know about that, but yeah. So, I mean, there are there are times when, in, in, depending on your upbringing, maybe that was the only time that you ever talked about God or the only encounter that you had with God. Um, there's, a, 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 maybe you come from a family that I would say treats God in in the manner of like God in a box, where He's this figure that we have up on a shelf in a box, and we only go get Him when. All of life is just falling apart and we need him to come and save us. So then we start talking about God or we start praying to God or we start thinking about God because now we need him to come through for us. Maybe you come from a home um, where uh, you're the only Christian. I don't know if that's true for anybody in here, but maybe it is. Well, you're the only Christian. And I know from experience of, of knowing people growing up, that they were the only Christian in their home, and it was very difficult for them. In fact, I knew this one girl, I used to work with her, um, and she, her, her parents would make fun of her because she was a Christian. They made fun of her because she hadn't um, had sex yet as a high school student. They, they couldn't believe that she hadn't had sex yet, and they would make fun of her about that. I think that's just absolutely sick and disgusting. Yes, her parents were like that. Yeah, I know, that's pretty messed up. Exactly. I mean, they they were ready. Yeah, they were ready to marry this girl off before she was even eighteen. I mean, they. Uh, that's just, you know. And so it would be hard to be a believer in that sort of um, environment. It's possible, though, that maybe you come from a family, and I think this is probably more true for most of us in this room, where we believe in God in a completely different way. We believe that God does care about us. That He does. Um, think about us and he does care about the little things in our life see there's there's those that believe that God only cares about the big things and then there are those that care that believes that God that cares about even the little things like for example maybe you've thought this before in your own life is well God made the sun come up and he's worried about whether or not the moon's going to come up and all those things and and you know maybe Jesus was a good guy 
Uh, you know, maybe he, he really did, maybe he really was the son of God. But I don't know about all that. that, that that's not, not real sure about that. But I believe that God's got the big stuff under control. But he doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about whether I have money to get lunch at school tomorrow. He doesn't care whether or not I have a nice car or have a car at all. Some of you who are still holding out hope. Um, he doesn't care whether I have my license you know, God, I've been praying for my license, but, but God doesn't, doesn't care. I'm sorry, I'm kind of looking at you. You have your license, don't you? You just don't have a, okay, you have a permit, but you're holding out hope for a car, right? See, maybe you've said some of these prayers. So you know what I'm talking about. You know, she doesn't pray. Maybe, you know, yeah, God cares about big things in life, but does he really care about whether or not I get into a good college? Does he care about whether or not, you know, I have a good relationship with my parents? Does he care if I'm single for the rest of my life? You know, does he care about whether I find someone to marry one day? You know, does God care if I'm actually successful in life and get a job one day? Does God care about those types of things? You might uh, kind of even pray once in a while... You know, or, or think about these things and maybe, you know, throw up that prayer. Okay, God, come, please, you know, help me. Send some good luck my way, you know. Um, there's this old saying, um, if you can't, or uh, let me read it because I'm just going to butcher it. If you want it done right, do it yourself. Anybody ever hear that before? If you want it done right, do it yourself. So I think a lot of people approach their relationship with God like that. It's like, well, if I want it done, I'm going to have to do it myself. Because there again, God doesn't care about my life and the little things in my life. Our approach becomes, if I don't, it won't. If I don't, he won't. If I don't, she won't. You know, with this approach to life, our relationship with Jesus becomes basically all about us having to do something to make it happen. You ever feel like you have to make it happen? I mean, like, you're praying, but God's not listening, and so I'm going to make it happen. Um, maybe you take a shortcut. Maybe you bend the rules. I don't know, but uh, I think, I, I always think about this when I think about bending the rules or taking a shortcut. I'm reminded immediately of high school geometry. Because if it wasn't for person that sat in front of me that knew all the answers I really don't think I would have ever passed that class I um, sadly had to admit that I took a shortcut there I might still be taking high school geometry at this point <laughs> if it wasn't for the kid who sat in front of me that knew all the answers you know so again maybe we come from a family that views God in a way that he doesn't care about anything in my life or maybe we come from a family or a upbringing where we realize that God actually does pay attention to the little things in our life. He's concerned about whether or not you get into a good college. Um, and so, I, I don't know about you, but I, I really believe that God does care about the little things in our life. And so I want to talk a little bit about that tonight from the perspective of the temptations of Jesus and this idea that we're dealing with a question tonight as we look at Matthew chapter 4. Verses 3 and 4, we're dealing with this question, is God big enough? Is God big enough? Is he big enough to handle your needs? I mean, 
wouldn't you admit that you have some sort of needs, right? We all have needs, right? No, no, you don't have needs. Faith, do you have needs? Things that you, you hope to have happen out of your life? Do you believe that God can handle your needs or your wants? Is God really big enough? Is He big enough to make sure that you have money to put gas in your car to get to work or to school or wherever you got to go to visit that hot date? You know, does He care about you getting that ticket? To <laughs> That's been a little while, but still. You know, um, does God, is God big enough and does He care enough to help you pass the test so that you don't have to cheat off your neighbor's paper? Um, is God big enough that you can trust Him? And, and, and I, I want to just say up front that I believe that He is, but let, let's, don't just take my word for it. Let's look at, look at the Scriptures tonight. Um, Matthew chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. So, um, I feel like I'm skipping a lot tonight, so give me just a second here. I'll, I'll do a little back, just talk a little bit about what we talked about before I jump into this, for those of you who weren't here. The last time we were together, we talked about the idea that, that God sends His Son, Jesus, to be led by the Holy Spirit into the desert to be tempted. And just how amazing that is that God would be willing to allow this to happen. I mean, we read in chapter 3 that this is His Son whom He's well pleased with. He loves Him. And then, boom, led into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And I think what's key for us is to realize that the, the way Jesus is tempted is not necessarily what matters here. Because, let's be honest, you're never going to be tempted to turn bread or turn stones into bread. I don't think there's any one of us who could raise our hand and say, yep, that happened to me once at summer camp. I, I was tempted uh, at summer camp. You were going to say twice? Well, or, or like to be taken way up high and shown all the kingdoms of the world. And if you just bow to me, you can have all this. That's never happened to me. I've never been tempted to throw myself off the balcony here and pray that God would send angels to catch me before I hit. I've been tempted to push... No. <laughs> but never... Um, I wanted to throw the couches over the, uh, the, at the edge. We didn't, we didn't do that. But I've never been tempted to throw myself off a building and hope that God would catch me. So it's, it's not so much the way Jesus was tempted that matters here, but it's this idea that the value of these three different occasions in the way Jesus is tempted is to realize that at the heart of it all is that Jesus is being tempted to fulfill a, a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. He's tempted to not trust in God to provide for his needs. And I think that that's very true that for us. We are all going to be tempted at some point or another to not trust God to fulfill our needs. So let's look at this, starting with verse 1, so we can read the whole thing. Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Oh, gee, who would have thought? Sorry, it doesn't say that. Um, the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, I'll stop there. This is a pretty innocent temptation, don't you think? I mean, being really honest, if you were without food for 40 days and 40 nights, 
you're going to be pretty hungry, and you're going to be thinking, huh, maybe I should eat, right? I mean, and if you had the ability to turn stones into bread, I mean, come on, wouldn't you want to do that? I mean, I'd be like, Jesus, want you, you get the get the stones into bread and that tree stump over there, let's make a ham, and if you could... <laughs> Get some mustard over and some and onion and green pepper and let's just make a sub. You know, we'll split it. Maybe even Satan wants some. You know, we'll just share. We'll just have a little subway party right here. You know, yeah. You just make it happen. And and I mean, I I, I really read this and I think well, that's not really the big of a deal. He was hungry. He wants some food. I mean, why not? You know. But Jesus sees what I think. I don't see. I wouldn't see this in this sort of situation. He sees what's there. And sees it for what it's what's really going on. He kind of sees around the corner, and and that it realizes that it's not just about turning these stones into bread. It's not just about fulfilling a need of being hungry. There's so much more at play. And what he does is he pauses. He calls like a timeout on the situation, and he flashes back, flashes back to a situation that happened in the nation of Israel hundreds of years before this, hundreds of years before this. What took place, if you are familiar with the Old Testament stories of the nation of Israel and Moses, is that the, the uh, Israelites were, in, were slaves for 400 years. 400 years of being in slavery. And, and um, we read in the Bible that they, they, had no, you know, they had no Bible. They had no prophets. They really had no religion. I mean, basically, they were just slaves. And after 400 years, God uses a man by the name of Moses to come and deliver them from the evils of Egyptian uh, rule and power and, and Pharaoh, and then he drowns Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea. Great little moment, you know, parts the sea, drowns everybody. I mean, <coughs> just the thing you would dream about taking a bath, you know, to be able to part the water. You know, I always think of the, I was a scene in Bruce Almighty where he bar- yeah. parts his cereal, you know, drowning the Cheerios, you know. Um, Oh, is it tomato soup? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was thinking, for some reason, I was thinking it was alphabet soup, or like alphabet, um, like cereal. Sorry, my bad. It has been a little while. Anyways. Um, but then these people, these Israelites, they, they go off and they wander in the desert for years and years and years, wandering in the desert. And... That I, I don't know about you, I've not spent any time in the desert. Has anybody actually spent any time at all in the desert? What I hear is it's hot. I mean, you know, there's not a lot of... <laughs> I've heard it's hot, you know. But yeah, it's pretty pretty chilly at night. Yeah, really cold at night. But there's not a lot of food. I mean, yeah. Do what? Yes, yes, unless you're a yeah, that's right, yeah. Or survivor, survivor man, you know, you know. Yeah, there's not a lot of food, there's not a lot of water lying around, but God provided for them. He, he provided for them every single day. You know, in the scriptures it talks about how it rained down bread from heaven. This bread-like substance came down, and, and they would go out and they would collect it every morning. And it, they, would, they were told to just collect enough for the day, because if they collected too much, the worms would eat it and it would rot. And then on the sixth day, they were supposed to collect enough for it to last for the seventh day. So they would rest on the seventh day. And this bread was called, does anybody remember what it was called? You, I knew you would know. You weren't supposed to say. Well, what is it? Manna. All right. You win absolutely nothing. 
Exactly. Every day, God gave them this bread, though. And, and they, this went on for years and years and years, that God would God provide them. And, and they could trust God. Every time they'd go out and they'd pick up this bread, I mean, can you imagine doing this every single day? This is how you got your food. There was nothing, nothing else to eat. It wasn't like there was, you know, manna and a side of mac and cheese. It was just manna every single day. It, not with manna. You just got manna at that point. Uh, no, you're getting manna and you like it. Exactly. But every time they did, they were. it was this reminder. You can trust God. You can trust God. God can be trusted. God is in control. God can, you, you can put your trust in him. And, and they gather this and, and Moses kind of gathers everybody around and he has this little pep talk and he reminds them that one day they're going to be tempted to not trust God. It says this in Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 through 3. Remember the, how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep His commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. This is a huge pause moment where he's calling a time out. He's saying, let's, let's talk about this for a second. He's reminding them that there's more important things than simply being fed. There's more important than, than having this physical need to eat being fulfilled. The reason God fed them like this every single day was to teach them that food was not the most important thing. I know that's hard for us to grasp. I think that's hard for me to grasp because to me, like an hour without something to snack on is like, what am I going to do? You know? I'm, do what? I thought you said you have two burritos in your purse. I was like, that is crazy. Like, we might, yeah, we might need to talk about your addiction to burritos. If you're, she's like eating ice cold burritos because she's... Get away from my burrito. <laughs> exactly. Yes. 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 Oh, man. <laughs> That's a great moment right there. If you haven't seen that, you should go look it up on YouTube. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. How do you how do you recover from Chris Farley? And, anyways, he he God did this not so that they would fight over French fries, but so that they would realize that man does not live on just bread. So, forty years God connected a physical need with a spiritual need in order to teach them that He can be trusted. He taught them that there is more to life than having a physical need met. It goes on, verses 11 through 14. It says, be careful. He's, he's kind of reminding, Moses is reminding them, hey, this is what's going to happen if you forget this, that God can be trusted. He said, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe His commands, His laws, and His decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud 
and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Now, I don't know about you, as I've been reading this verse for like the last week now, I just feel like that is so true for our culture. We are a people that has, our, our lands have increased, our flocks have increased. I mean, I don't keep sheep, but, you, you know, you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, my, yeah, that's a whole other ball game. <laughs> um, you know, our gold and our silver is increasing, and we lose the need for God. And I think that that's what Moses is trying through, you know, God and through Moses is trying to remind these people, these Israelites, hey, the more you have, the more you're not going to meet me. The more you have, the more you're not going to realize that I'm in control. The more you, you grow in, in money and, and all this stuff, the more you're going to look at God, look at me and just say, well, uh, when things go bad again, then I will call upon you. But for now, I'm doing all right. He wants them and he wants us to remember that he is the one that provides, that he's in control. When you quit trusting in God, you will quit obeying God. And when you quit obeying God, you will quit believing in God. One of the keys to overcoming temptation is to put it in its proper context. And I think that Jesus is doing that in this moment. He's putting it in its proper context and saying, it is not as important. Bread is not as important as trusting in God. Jesus was going to trust God even if he starved to death doing so. Look what it says in Matthew 4.4. 4. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He pulls from the history of Israel and speaks scripture to Satan. Ask yourself this question, and, and I don't have a lot of examples to, to, to kind of I guess, frame this up into your life. So you're going to have to think about this for a second. What is the area of your life where you are tempted to meet a legitimate need in a way that might be considered like not the way God wants you to do it? Improper. A legitimate need in an illegitimate way. For, I'm trying to think of an example of this. Um, maybe... There's an area of your life where you are tempted, but it's just not the right time yet. For example, uh, and I hate to go back to this, but because we just spent so much time talking about it, but it's the first thing that pops into my head. You know, for you right now, sex, I think, would fall into that category. It's not a bad thing, but it's not the time and the place for you in your life. You might be tempted in that way but it's just you're not married so that would fall into that category I'm trying to think of anything else that might be a legitimate need to pass the test would be a legitimate need but copying off your neighbor's paper would be an improper way legitimate need a car stealing your neighbors probably not a good idea unless it's a Mustang no I'm just kidding um Yeah. But then being fake. Gossiping, yeah, being gossiping. Fake lying lying about somebody else so that this person will be your friend. Or, there you go. Yeah. I could not think of anything for the life of me throughout. Robbing a bank to pay 
yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, whatever, what used to be teppanyaki, teppanyaki, that's what we call it. Probably don't want to eat there, that's, that would be a legitimate need. Even if you're starving to death, I think I would stay away. Because um, it might be quite literally your last meal. Just what? Yeah, yeah, just, just. Well, when you could eat enough just to be healthy, and then you eat two burritos and you pray for your burritos. Exactly, yes. And and you hit the Dairy Queen on the way home too, you know. Um, you know, think about that for your own life. Think about that for your own life. What is an area of legitimate need that you might be tempted to try to pursue that out in a way that's not honoring God, that's not helping your relationship with God grow? Because um, I believe that whatever that area is for you, and it's probably different for every single one of us, that is the area where God wants to come in and begin to do a work in your life and begin to change things and begin to show up in a really tangible kind of way. Um, whatever, that, whatever that is for you, I just would ask that tonight, we're not going to have like some big moment here. We're just going to pray and close. Um, but I would challenge you to pray that God would come into your life in that way, in that area, and take control of that. And begin to, to work in, in, in a really big way. That he would give you the ability to pause on that. And say, you know what? This temptation is not worth my faith. It's not, I, I trust in God. I believe that God is going to provide for me. And I don't need whatever that is. Um, <clears throat> we have to remember that there's always more at stake than what we think. And that... We have to trust in God and trust that He's bigger. Um, let me just give you a, a really simple prayer that you could do every single morning. Um, every morning when you get up, still in bed, maybe maybe you pray at the side of your bed, whatever you do. I don't, I've never been one to get down on my knees and like pray at the side of my bed, but I know there are people who do that. We do that with Lila at night. Um, but to pray this prayer, Today, God, I'm going to trust you to meet my needs. I'm going to trust you to protect me, trust you to provide for me, and trust you to keep me away from temptation. I'm trusting you today, God. I trust you to help me to pause in the midst of temptation. And I'm asking you for just one day, just one day, and we'll deal with tomorrow when it gets here. So let's pray. I'm going to say that prayer again as we close and then... What is that noise? Is that what it is? I thought there was like, we were going to look out and like, Billy was running around on a cart down there or something. Like, uh, probably, but it's been a while. So, well, let's pray. And then we'll go downstairs and we'll play some sort of game. All right. Sounds good. God, we, we are... We are trusting you to meet our needs. God, we trust you to protect us, to provide for us, and to keep us away from temptation. God, we're trusting you just for today. We trust you to help us to pause in the midst of temptation. And I'm asking you for this to just be just for today. God, we will deal with tomorrow when tomorrow gets here. May you give us the strength to overcome temptation today. And always trust that you are big enough. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.